Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of my new podcast, Gifted. I'm your host, Danny. And before we get started today, quick favor to ask if you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Share it with a friend, it really helps me out. The first thing I wanted to dive into today is why I started this podcast and kind of what the purpose of it is. I actually just finished writing my book, Woohoo, which is obviously not out yet, otherwise, I would be plugging it, but it's not out. And if you don't know me, I started college when I was 15 years old. And that is essentially what my book is about. It's about starting college at 15, graduating when I turned 18, what that experience was like for me, and some of the major lessons that I learned. And I really enjoyed the process of writing that book because for a long time, I was really hesitant to talk about my age. It was like, If you asked me how old I was, I was like cringing and like lying through my teeth probably. I didn't like bringing up my age. I didn't like talking about it. And I think there's this stigma with gifted children or with kids who start college early or have some impressive accomplishment that like that is the only thing they wanted to talk about. When in reality, the last thing I wanted to talk about was the thing that made me different, which is when I was in college and all my peers were 18, you know, and they're freshmen, I was 15. And I hated talking about it, but the book really allowed me to not only reflect on the time that I spent in college, but also to stop being ashamed of it and to stop carrying the weight of this otherness that I felt that somehow I was worse off than other people because I was different. When in reality, what I've learned is that it's important to embrace your gifts, whether you're gifted in the traditional sense of having a high IQ or gifted with particular talents, whatever that looks like for you digging into that instead of shying away from it and I realized I have so much more to say than even what I touched on in my book because my book is more memoir style it's kind of taking you through everything that happened but there's so many lessons too that I want to dive into and I figured a podcast was a great format for that my goal is to kind of share some of the major lessons I've learned and then also have some guests on who are either gifted in like the traditional IQ sense of the word or who have other incredible gifts and talents that they've been able to bring out into the world. That is my plan. But today, uh, I'm my own guest, I guess. Um, But I want to run you through from the very beginning, basically like early childhood, discovering I was gifted to how I got into college at 15 because this is like one of the most common things I get asked is, well, what do you mean you started college when you were 15? And I'm like, I know, I don't really know how it happened. And just to take you through what that experience was and kind of what went on there so that you can be caught up on the drama of my life because it's drama. So I grew up in LA and when I was in preschool, I think that was when my parents or my family started realizing that maybe something was different about me. I didn't like to do what most kids enjoy doing like I didn't want to like run around and play on the yard I wanted to talk to my teachers and have like long conversations I liked to give sermons to my family whatever like I would call them sermons I would stand on a chair and like lecture them which is like not normal three-year-old behavior and towards the end of my time in preschool my parents you know seeing that I was reading chapter books and trying to do algebra workbooks and just things that are not normal for a, a kid that age took me to a child psychologist and were like what's wrong with this kid? No, but they took me to a child psychologist who tested my IQ and it was very high. And, you know, I think they thought the best thing to do was to do what they had done with my sister. My sister was also highly gifted. They sent her to a school called Merman. That's where they sent me. That's Merman is short for the Merman School for Highly Gifted Children, which like, what a mouthful. Like, can you imagine? You're five. You're like, 
at dance class trying to make friends and this kid's like where do you go to school you're like the merman school for highly gifted children i ended up going there um everyone who goes there all the kids start when they're five instead of six they start first grade at age five so they're all kind of starting a year early no one goes to kindergarten that's just kind of how it works started first grade i am extremely stubborn i feel like that's an important note I'm very like strong-willed, if you know me. That's a gentle way of putting it. I definitely, I don't want to say I had a hard time, but I definitely was very much on the side of like wanting to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. So I hated math and science, still do, what's up? Didn't like going to those classes. I love to read. I like to read what I like to read. So I didn't want to read like the assigned books. I wanted to read the books that I wanted to read. It was not a bad experience by any means, but I think the challenge that you run into when you are educating gifted children is that they all have different strengths. So for me, I was like basically average in math, but I was reading five grade levels ahead of where I should have been in English. I think it's hard for any teacher or any curriculum to balance that because you have kids who are like in second grade ready to start geometry and you have kids in second grade who are ready to read Jane Austen, but they're not all good at the same thing. So it, it's just a difficult thing to balance. And I, I didn't have a bad experience, but it definitely wasn't like my cup of tea. I, I remember vividly making a joke. I must have been in like fourth grade to one of my teachers. I think it was like my science teacher. We were just talking about something and I was like, sometimes I feel like the dumbest genius in the world. I think about it all the time. Of like when it came to math and science, I felt so average and it was so weird because of the contrast of being able to read these giant books, memorize any amount of information in like 10 minutes, talking and giving speeches, speaking to people and adults like it was nothing when I was like eight. But then, you know, it's this sharp contrast of feeling so incredibly good at something and so very average with something else. To be fair, I put in no effort. <laughs> Like I laugh because it's kind of funny, but like I put in very little effort in school because I knew even at a gifted academy, like your girl could coast. I was like, I can do the bare minimum and still do well, which is not like a great way to be. But that was what I learned. So I think for me, looking back, the advice that I would give to any parent of a gifted child and my parents did an amazing job. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just, you know, from my own personal experience is that every child learns differently and has different needs and even if you're sending your kid to a gifted academy or putting them in a gifted program there's still a lot of opportunity for them to feel like they're falling through the cracks which I think is somewhat of how I felt of like my needs were not being met even though it was really a lot of that was my fault for not putting in effort and not challenging myself anyways I went to Merman and then because we grew up in Los Angeles, my sister and I, we both kind of like dabbled in acting. I feel like that's pretty common for kids in LA. We had a manager. We did some commercials. We stopped around third grade because school was obviously more important. And then in fifth grade, my old manager called my mom and was like, hey, they're auditioning kids for Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Does Danny want to do it? My mom was like, I don't know, whatever, I guess. So my dad took me to this audition. There are like so many kids that are like, it's full cattle call. I'm assuming nothing's going to happen with this. I go, I get a call back. I go to a couple more auditions. I end up booking it. That summer after fifth grade, or actually towards the end of fifth grade and then into the whole summer, I filmed, I think it was like 70 episodes of that show because it was the first syndicated season. That was a really pivotal point in my life. 
some of the things that I felt that I was missing in school, I kind of got while I was on set. I loved getting to be funny and, you know, be on camera and joke around with adults. And Jeff Foxworthy is like the greatest of all time. And getting to be around other kids who were also very smart and who loved entertaining people. It was just really a wonderful experience for me. It kind of brought to my attention at that point that maybe I was not getting fulfilled at school just in the way that I wanted to be. So, I mean, nine-year-old me was very much on this side of like, I want to do more of this. So when I went into sixth grade, was still at Merman, I feel very bad for my parents because I harassed them. I was like, I want to be an actor. You guys are ruining my life. I don't really like specifically remember, but I'm sure I drove them insane because I so badly wanted to be an actor and Merman would not allow you to leave school for work. So let's say like, I auditioned and booked a movie or a TV show. You were not allowed to leave to go film it because obviously the academic curriculum was very rigorous and they didn't want people just like coming in and out, which makes sense. So I don't know if I found it or like a friend of mine who was an actor recommended it. I don't know. I found this school or my mom found it. I can't remember called SFVPS, which is San Fernando Valley Professional School. What a name. Going from the Merman School for Highly Gifted Children to San Fernando Valley Professional Academy. And it was basically designed for child actors or gymnasts or kids whose parents traveled a lot, who wanted to travel with their parents, whatever it was, to go to school from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. to only take core classes, so English, math, science, and then that's it. You're in school from 9 to 1, the end. And you could leave school if you needed to. So like, let's say you book a movie and you're gone for two months. The school would just send you your work and do, I guess, like Skype calls with you or whatever. I begged my parents to let me go. And they eventually, I guess, caved and let my sister and I go there. At that time, so this was after sixth grade. I should have been going into seventh grade. Because I had been at Merman where the curriculum was so advanced, They ended up putting me a year ahead. So I went into eighth grade instead of going into seventh grade. So at that point, I was two years ahead because, again, started to burn a year early like everyone did. And then now it was getting put another year ahead. The interesting thing about going to school there was that because it was mostly other actors, nobody was weird about the age difference because everyone was, you know, in my class was two years older than me. But no one ever said anything really because... Actors, I think, are very used to being on set with people who are just all different ages. So like you might be 16 and the person playing your best friend on your show might be 21 or might be 14. There's not the same like emphasis on age that there is in like a normal situation. So nobody really cared. And at my school, like the 10th graders were friends with the 7th graders and the 7th graders were friends with the 4th graders. Like it was a really small school. So everybody was friends. So it really didn't matter. And I kind of assumed that was how the world was going to be, which is not true. So I went to that school for 8th grade, ninth grade, and 10th grade. The end of 10th grade, I decided to switch to online school. And I was like, I'm just going to do my last years of high school online. I want to focus on acting. I switched to online school. And towards the end of 11th grade, I had already taken my SATs. I was starting to think about where I wanted to apply to college. And I'm going through my transcripts and I realize I am basically done with school because at my old school, I had taken like double English classes and two science classes at a time just to be challenged. And because of that, I was done with all my required credits except for literally PE. I needed one more PE class and that was it. So I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to do another year of high school for PE and to take all these like random classes that I don't need. This sucks. 
So I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, it's June and, you know, college starts in August, like for most people. And I have to do another year of high school. But like, what if I don't? So I went online and California State University Northridge is the college that is closest to my parents' house. It's a four-year school. It's like maybe 25 minutes from my parents' house. I'm looking through their website and I'm like, okay, they have an option to appeal. Like if you don't get into, most schools have this. If you don't get into the school, you apply during the application period, you don't get in, you can appeal their decision. So I'm like, what if I send an appeal letter explaining my situation and see if they'll let me in, in you know, when school starts in two months? But I hadn't applied, but I'm like, in my head, this makes sense. So I draft this letter. I'm like, hey, here's my situation. I'm currently 15. I have another year of high school left, but I'm actually done with all of my credits. Here's my SAT scores. Here's my transcripts. I would love to go to school here in August when it starts. I send this letter. I'm like, I'm never going to hear back, but whatever. And then I'm sitting in my parents' backyard. This has to be like the end of June, maybe early July. I get a phone call. It's the dean of admissions at Cal State Northridge. And she's like, hey, uh, welcome. You're the youngest freshman we've ever had, but we'd love to have you. And I was like, that's bizarre. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to college. Like literally I'm standing in my parents' backyard. My dad's in the garage. So I like walk into the garage and I'm like, they let me in. I'm so confused. So I drop out of high school. I am, in fact, a high school dropout. Fun fact. Uh, so I drop out of high school to go to college. Makes sense. And I'm going to start college in August. Cool. And that was when I sort of started thinking, well, how am I going to do this? Because I'm 15. And if anyone finds out that I'm 15, it's probably going to be really uncomfortable because, you know, these people are 18 to 22 or 23. And I'm, again, 15. So you know, the university was not going to say anything to my professors or anything. So I was like, I just won't tell anyone and it'll be fine. And my plan was, the plan that I had discussed with my parents was I would go to class. They would drive me because, lol, I did not have a driver's license. Uh, My parents would drive me to college and they would pick me up. But no, my parents would drive me to school, pick me up. And if I wanted to like join a club or something, they were like, go for it, do that. I'm like, okay, sounds reasonable. So I go to new student orientation. I actually make a couple friends. Everyone's really nice. And I think a little pivot here. Something to note is that because my like quote unquote giftedness is primarily in language and English, reading, writing, it's also presented itself socially that I, and I don't know how, you know, you sound like annoying when you say I'm so gifted socially, like my God, shut up. But uh, realistically, my giftedness has presented itself in a way where I can pretty much assimilate in any social situation. So whether the people I'm around are really funny or really serious or really intense or partiers or studious, I'm able to kind of, I don't want to say camouflage, but I can definitely adapt to that environment. So I've always had a very easy time making friends because part of what I'm good at from a gifted perspective is integrating myself socially based on kind of the cues that I'm getting from other people. I immediately make friends and one of the girls who I was friends with from this orientation group that we had was like, oh, are you going to rush sorority? You seem like you would, whatever that means. And I was like, no, definitely not. And she was like, I'm definitely going to do it. You should think about it, whatever. So that was when like the seed was planted in my head of this girl who I'd met at orientation saying you should rush to sorority and me being like probably not an appropriate thing. But my mom has a friend and her friend's son was in a fraternity. So I end up meeting up with him. My mom introduces us. 
I meet up with him and then we started hanging out. He was a super nice guy. And he one day we're grabbing lunch and he's like, oh, we should stop by this event. It's called Meet the Clubs. All of the clubs on campus, you know, have a table and flyers and also all the sororities and fraternities are there. So you can meet some of my friends. We go to this event and he's introducing me to some of these sorority girls and they're all very nice. But every single one of them is like, are you going to rush? And I'm like, no, leave me alone. Every single one is like, are you going to rush? I'm like, no, are you going to rush? No. Finally, I'm talking to this girl and she's like, you should just sign up for sorority orientation. It's in like two days because even if you decide you don't want to rush, it's a great way to meet other freshmen. And I was like, that actually sounds like fun. So I sign up for that. I go to this sorority orientation and again, like every single person there is asking me if I'm going to rush. This whole event is run by the Panhellenic Council, which if you were not in Greek life, basically Panhellenic is the organization that is in charge of all the sororities on campus. So all the girls on this Panhellenic Council are like, are you going to rush? You're going to go through recruitment? I'm like, no. And then I'm talking to one of the girls who's on Panhellenic and she's like, I really think you'd love it. Just like hounding me. Like she was super nice, but she's like, you would love it. Trust me. Like it'll change your life. Your future bridesmaids, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, girl, like uh, it's 8 p.m. Like I need to go home. And I'm like, I'm 15. I can't rush. And I just said it. And as soon as I said it, I was like, I definitely shouldn't have said that. Um, but whatever. And she looks, she's like 15 what? I'm like 15 years old. And so she's like, oh, like I don't know if you can rush. She looks super confused. She goes up to the Panhellenic president. They're talking. She comes back to me. She's like, give me your number. We're going to check and see if you're allowed to rush. I'm like, okay. First of all, they're going to say no, obviously. Second of all, I'm not actually going to do it if they tell me I can because I'm not going to get into any of the sororities. So she ends up texting me like a day later. And she says, hey, so we checked our bylaws and we are technically not allowed to discriminate on the basis of age. So you actually can go through recruitment not like the friendliest most welcoming text but it wasn't a no like she was like we technically can't stop you I'm not saying do it but we can't stop you so I think that bylaw and I actually know that bylaw was developed so that if someone comes to school and they're like they just turned 22 and they're a transfer let's say that the sororities can't be like oh no she's too old we're not taking her because that would obviously be not fair. So that's what that bylaw is designed for. The thing is that it also applies in the other direction where I was 15 and they couldn't really tell me no because you can't discriminate. There I was uh, getting off on a technicality and I talked to my parents and I was like, yo, so here's the thing. Thinking about going through sorority recruitment, uh, they said I can do it. I don't think I'll get in anywhere, but it would just be like kind of a funny experience to like go through recruitment and say that I did it and my parents are like potentially too trusting of me but they were like my mom especially was like yeah why not like you will meet people you'll make friends it'll be a good way to just kind of get acclimated and meet other freshmen and do it I'm like all right I sign up for recruitment I'm 15 I'm like let's rush a sorority baby I'm like so grateful that my mom has always been like team Danny, but my mom has really always trusted me and especially in college was very much like, I want you to have as normal of a college experience as possible. So do whatever it is you feel like you need to do to achieve that and was not like you need to be home by 5 p.m. and you can't go through recruitment, which I think is what 99% of parents would have done. But my mom has been great my whole life about understanding that I just socially am, am, am different than most people my age. And we talk about this all the time. 
But I'm so grateful that she let me do that because it ended up shaping a lot of my college experience. So shout out to you, Lori, if you're listening. Um, she's probably dropped out by now. She's like, this is too long. I don't care. I go through sorority recruitment. I'm thinking this whole time I'm not going to get a bid. I find out later, this is like just a couple months later, that the Panhellenic Council decided that no one except the sorority presidents could know my age. So at that point, everyone was being super normal to me during recruitment. Nobody asked me about my age. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like no one cares. Turns out it's actually just that nobody knew. I end up getting into the sorority that I wanted to get into. And I'm like, okay, like I have a bid from them now. I feel kind of like I'm I'm going to be a bit of an asshole if I'm like, just kidding. I just went through sorority recruitment for fun. I don't want to actually be in your sorority. So I'm like talking to my mom and she's like, yeah, like do it. So I join a sorority at 15. So I'm in this sorority and I'm like, there's no way that they're not going to freak out when they find out how old I am, like all of the members in the sorority. So it's like a weekend to being in the sorority. We have like a couple new member welcome events. I make some friends. Everyone's great. And then it starts getting kind of weird. And I notice like every time that I'm at the sorority house, I'm getting really, really weird looks. And I find out, of course, shortly after that, you know, someone on executive board had mentioned it to someone else who'd mentioned it to the next person. Everyone knew I was 15. That sucked because everyone got really mean. (laughs) Like it went from all these girls who were like sisters forever to all these girls being like, we are going to get you kicked out of this sorority if it is the last thing that we do. So that sucked. I'll probably do a whole other episode about that at some point because I got tea for days, baby. Um, And not everyone was mean. I had a really great group of friends. But it was just like some of the active members were like very unhappy that the 15 year old was in their sorority. But like you liked me before you knew how old I was. So so one day the sorority president who I actually loved, she like did the best she could under the circumstances. So no knock to her. She's great. But the sorority president at the time shoots me a text and is like, yo, like, let's grab coffee. And I'm like, that's never good. I meet up with her for coffee. This is like about probably a month and a half, two months into the semester. I meet up with her for coffee and she's like, hey, just so you know, um, you're banned from all of our date parties and formals and any event with alcohol. So there's that. And I was like, well, I'm paying to be in this sorority and that's like part of it. But I was just kind of annoyed because they had let me in, you know, the whole executive board, the president, whatever, had known that I was 15 when they let me in. And then they were like, you actually can't really be in like you can sort of be involved and she also was like you can't go to any fraternity parties and I was like I definitely am not gonna listen to that because again I think what was so hard for people to grasp was that socially I was completely normal like I had a lot of friends I'd already been going to parties at that point you know I was making friends in my classes because like don't forget I also took classes I also sometimes forgot I felt like a completely normal freshman and now I'm being told you can't actually be normal. And that had been this whole time my big fear is being othered and being like singled out for not being mature enough or being too young or whatever. And it's it was hard too because she had said to me like I know you and I know you'll be completely fine like if we were to let you go 
but it's not coming from me it's coming from our nationals which is there's an organization that runs all of the individual chapters for each sorority they were basically saying you know we don't know this girl she's 15 she can't go to your events they make me sign this contract that says you won't go to our formals you won't go to our day parties and you won't go to fraternity parties that was that little last part was the part that i was ignoring i continue to go to fraternity parties like every weekend because the whole contract was just ridiculous it was basically saying also like you won't be in any establishment where they're serving alcohol i'm like so i can't walk into like a california pizza kitchen because they serve wine like it was just so dumb um but i'm having what i would consider to be a very normal college experience and then i find out that apparently one of the fraternities has a meeting where they put my photo up on their projector and they're like, do not sleep with this girl. She is 15, (laughs) which is like so gross. Like, first of all, I would not have touched any of those guys anyway. Let's be real. Um, Second of all, like, are you kidding me that you're going to? It just was so gross. So between the whole thing happening with my sorority where they were banning me from our formals and day parties and this fraternity having a meeting where they're like putting my picture up on their projector to like talk about me, which was like horrifying. I'm, get, I'm getting really frustrated. This is exactly what I didn't want. I don't want everyone to treat me differently. And it was starting to happen. So towards the very end of my freshman year, I had turned 16 And I'm like, I have to figure out some way to show people who don't know me that I'm normal. But I really just felt like I had something to prove at that point because so many people knew about me and didn't know me. And they were like, oh, the 15-year-old girl in XYZ sorority. And I was like, "Uh, I hate that that's my reputation. The funniest thing, too, was this is just like a random story. There was a girl in another sorority who I became friendly with in one of my classes. I don't know what we were talking about, but she was like, oh yeah, like that 15-year-old and blah, blah, blah sorority. And I was like, what? And she was like, that is so weird. I can't believe they let her in. Like, I don't even know who she was during recruitment, but like, I'm so glad that we didn't end up getting stuck with her. And goes on this like 10-minute rant about how stupid it is that there's a 15-year-old in a sorority, not realizing I'm the 15-year-old in the sorority, which I'm sure she, I never said anything during that conversation. I'm sure later she figured it out. But things like that were happening that made me realize that people were really seeing this as a big deal even though I myself felt totally normal and was making friends and having a great time end of my freshman year I'm like what can I do that will get people to shut up I could try to run for a position in my own sorority like a leadership position but no one takes me seriously like all of the girls in my pledge class all of the freshmen that I was friends with were like so chill didn't care about my age but it was the older girls who I think felt I don't want to say threatened by it but it definitely made them you know feel weird in some way and they were just like not a fan so No one takes me seriously who's like older, so I'm not going to win if I run for a position in my own sorority. But what I could do is run for a position in Panhellenic, which is that organization that governs all the sororities on campus. That's what I'm going to do. So I find like the lowest position on Panhellenic, which was called assistant programming chair. It was like the assistant basically to the events chair. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to run for. Nobody's running for that. Like no one wants that position. So I run for it. I get it. I'm like, amazing. So I go back to my sorority. I'm like, okay, this is now the start of my sophomore year. I go back to my sorority and I'm like, hey, so now I'm 16 and I also have a leadership role on the organization that's literally in charge of you. You guys have freshmen coming in who are 17. So I'm only a year younger than them. 
can I go to formals and date parties? And they're like, absolutely not. And I'm like, what is like, what is that about? And at this point, a different girl was president and homegirl was like on a power trip. And then also her like vice president was on a major power trip. So I know that's what that was about was them just being like, sorry, we don't have lives. So we need to be assholes to you. Um, so that's when I start to get mad because I went from being like, I kind of understand it's frustrating and a little ridiculous, but I get where they're coming from to being like, this is actually just stupid. Because you're telling me, okay, I'm, because now you're telling me, okay, you're a year and a half younger than the incoming freshman. That year and a half means that you can't go to our events. Because if you're 17, you're a minor. If you're 16, you're a minor. What's the difference, right? So at that point, I'm getting annoyed. My, I go through my sophomore year, still have a really good group of friends, having a ton of fun, going out, going to class occasionally. And at that point, I'm like, what can I do to like shut everyone up for once and for all? Like, what can I do? And I'm like, well, I could be president of Panhellenic. And then everyone would have to shut up. And I could pass a bylaw that says that you can't ban members from your events based on age. Because you can't discriminate, you know, for letting them in. But an even more specific bylaw that says if you let someone in, you can't discriminate based on age, whether or not they can go to your events. How fun. So I run for Panhellenic president at the end of my sophomore year. And I win which was shocking. But the reason I won is because I'm psychotic. And I literally came into my interview. The way it works is all the sorority presidents vote. I came into my interview with like a six-page color-coded labeled document being like, here's what needs to change in our Greek system because I'm nuts. And I had good ideas too of what I wanted to change. I wanted there to be better relationships between the sororities. I wanted there to be more of an academic focus. God forbid people care about their grades. I had this idea of how things could be. And not only that, but I felt like I had something to prove. I was going in there like guns blazing. I win. I shut up my sorority for once and for all. I go to all of our formals. I have a wonderful time. And then it's about halfway through both my presidency and my sophomore year. And I realize it's a theme in my life. I have enough credits to graduate a year early. So I, even though I was in my sophomore year, I was like, this is actually my junior year and I can graduate next year. And for me, in some ways, that's where the giftedness comes in is that I just thought it was normal to want to triple up on classes or double up on classes. So there would be semesters where I would literally have to go to my academic advisor's office and apply to get permission to take all these classes because I would be taking six, seven classes when you're supposed to be taking like four. For me, that was completely normal. And again, I think that's such a theme in my life is doing the most and being like, but everyone's doing that when in reality, it's just me. <laughs> I'm in my senior year. I'm 17. I turn 18 and then I graduate. And so that is how I graduated college at 18. But the reason I wanted to explain all of that is because I think for a long time, I was like, everything was an accident. I never gave myself credit for anything. I was like, well, I got into college at 15 because like a bunch of random stuff and I, you know, start I became Panhellenic president at 16 like kind of by accident and blah blah and it's like no I actually worked my tail off for all of that and it's the thing that I see a lot of people particularly women do is sort of degrade their own accomplishments or like be dismissive of what they've done because I guess we don't want to come across as bragging like I'm a badass I worked hard for that stuff and a couple things that I learned throughout that experience, there's a lot of kind of individual stories I could go into, but I just wanted to kind of get you caught up if you don't know how I graduated early. Age is just a number. 
and I it's a cliche but it's so true because I was as normal as any other freshman except for the fact that I was 15. I was a great Panhellenic president even though I was 16. I graduated college even though I was 18. And I think so many of us get caught up in the idea that like your age is such an all-encompassing important thing. Like, oh, well, you go to college when you're 18, you graduate when you're 22, and then you go get a job and blah, blah, blah. And I just think there's so much more to life than this imaginary timeline that you create for yourself, whether you're younger or whether you're older, like it just doesn't matter and it doesn't carry as much weight as people think. I have friends right now who are in their 20s who are absolutely murdering it. I have friends in their 30s who are just starting to find themselves. Like I think everyone's trajectory and timeline is different and you're not better or worse for starting early or starting late or whatever your situation may be. And I wish people had understood that when I was in school. I'm going to get emotional, but I wish people had understood that because it would have saved me a lot of heartache of people making fun of me or talking about me or putting my photo up on a projector at fraternity who shall not be named. But it just made me feel terrible about myself because I thought I was lesser than everybody else because I was younger. So somehow I was less deserving, which is crazy because in reality, I'd worked so hard to get there early and to do that. And instead of being proud, I was embarrassed. Like I was so embarrassed and I hated when people asked me how old I was and when people would be like, are you the 15-year-old freshman? I was like, oh my God. Like it was just my nightmare. And now looking back, I get why I felt that way, but I'm so proud of what I did and I'm so proud that I didn't let anybody stop me or, or anyone's kind of criticisms of my age or me get in the way of my goals. I wish I'd felt that way at the time and I didn't and It's helped me now because I'm only 21. I'm not like so old, but I am a business owner. Again, for a long time, I was like, I don't want people to think less of me because I'm young. And I'm like, that is just ridiculous because anyone who thinks less of you because of your age is probably not someone you need to be involved with anyway. I don't hold grudges against the people who were like horrible to me about my age because some people were really bad about it in college. I just like... I hope they see now maybe and maybe that's wishful thinking but I hope they they understand that you know first of all the things that you say to people are very impactful especially if you don't know like if you're preying on someone's insecurity you may just not know and also that you know I'm probably kicking their butt now so I hope they're upset no <laughs> but really like a lot of the people who had things to say that were not so nice I'm like you know maybe that energy is better spent investing in your own self age is just a number don't get so caught up on how old you are how old other people are it's just not that meaningful the second thing that I learned this is another big thing that I've thought about quite a bit is the thing that you are most insecure about within yourself strongly affects how you behave even if you don't see it and what I mean by that is I was so insecure about my age that I was really walking around like I had something to prove I wanted to show everyone I was normal and that I could hang out with guys and I could be in a sorority and that I could hang out with my sorority sisters and have fun and party and whatever and that I was normal and I didn't I didn't have to prove anything I I'd prove something by getting into college at 15 but I just I so badly wanted people to think that I was normal whatever that even means like normal is boring but it wasn't until I became Panhellenic president where I sort of had to be like a bit of a hard ass and you know some people didn't like me or didn't like my leadership style that I was like I don't actually need to prove anything like me just being me is enough I don't need to walk around trying to show people that I'm 
just like them like I don't need to be just like anybody I need to be just like me you know everyone has insecurities but I would take a look at your own because I do this all the time and see like how the way that you feel about yourself is impacting how you act because I think so many of us overcompensate for the thing that we're insecure about and it actually affects the way that we behave in our day-to-day lives but for me gaining that confidence of not caring if people thought I was weird or different or too young or whatever allowed me to feel free and that was what really allowed me to become the version of myself that I wanted to be. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. That's going to wrap this up. Again, if you enjoyed, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to have some amazing guests, so I am so beyond excited for you to hear from other people who are gifted in all kinds of ways. Thank you so much for joining and I will see you next week.